That image behind me is probably one that we've seen on many occasions. Either you've been the one in that picture or you've seen maybe a loved one or a friend who's going on a trip and that's the sight you see as they walk to the tarmac of the plane or when they're getting onto the train or something like that. They're going on a trip. And there's a slight level of sadness and of missing them and knowing that they're not going to be here for a while and you see that and it it kind of bothers you to see that sight but we know in that particular situation more than likely that person's going to come back that person's going to just go on this trip and then they're going to return and things are going to go back to normal but for some that sight is final for some that's the last thing they see is that person walking away from them We talked about in the scripture reading from Revelation chapter 2 that God was telling a description of the church at Ephesus and he had so many good things to say about them and he goes through and talks about all those different things. But do you remember the last thing he said? The very last thing that he brought up was have you left your first love? You've left your first love. He says, nevertheless, I have one thing against you. I have one thing to say that you've left your first love. Now, for us, that might not make sense. I mean, if we read about what took place in Revelation chapter 2 in that particular section there, we say, well, that sounds like a good church. You stood against those who were evil. You you did all these things that were good. You were helping those. You you had all this going for you. What was the problem? He said the problem was your heart wasn't in it. You left your first love. You were doing everything right. You had all the structure right. But your attitude was wrong. Your heart was wrong. Now, this is not the only time we've seen an example of this in Scripture. We see examples back in uh, back early on in the Old Testament. We see people who were worshiping God and they were going through the motions. They were doing what they were supposed to do from the law standpoint, but they weren't doing it with the proper heart. In fact, if we go to the very last chapter of Malachi, or last book of the Old Testament of Malachi, and we read, God describes these people, and he says, you've rejected me. He said, if I'm a father, where is my honor? He said, you offer me these sacrifices, but you offer me the lame and the sick. Your priests say, we haven't robbed you. He says, but you've robbed me in your tithes and your offerings. They were going through the proper motions, but their heart, their attitude was wrong. And this is what John is writing to this church in the book of Revelation. He's telling them, look, you're doing all these things that are good, but you need to fix your heart. You need to have the proper attitude, the right mindset as you go into this because you've left your first love. So this evening we're going to go through several points discussing this idea of trying to analyze for ourselves, have I left my first love? You know, it's always interesting for a preacher when he's standing up and presenting a sermon it starts behind me and works forward. The, the beauty of it is, you guys hear this for one session, I have to look at this thing all week. <laughs> I have to see how this plays out, and you have to do the self-reflecting for yourself, and I have to do it for myself as well. But I need to find out if I have the proper mentality. If I have the right heart going into this, have I left my first love? So the first thing we're going to talk about is, they started strong, and I'm sure probably most of you know where I'm going with this. A tortoise and a hare. 
That whole story that we've heard probably a thousand times, the rabbit, he goes off and he's trying to win this race against the tortoise and he just goes as far as he can and then he says, you know what? I'm so far ahead of this tortoise. I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to relax. Even at his best, he's never going to catch me. And then how does the fable end? The tortoise ends up winning the race. And the old statement that goes at the end of it, slow and steady wins the race. Slow and steady wins the race. There are far too many Christians who this is where they are. They started off strong. As soon as they came out of that water, it was like a firecracker went off underneath them and they were on fire for the Lord. They were doing everything they possibly could do. They were talking to every neighbor. They were talking to every policeman. They were talking to the stoplight down the street. They were doing everything they could to just get the gospel out there. But then slowly but surely, things began to hit their path and block them began to hinder them, began to slow them down, and suddenly that excitement and that fire for the Lord became barely a spark. They started off with that energy and with that strength, but it began to fade. That's exactly what the Lord was describing through the pen of John to this church in Ephesus. He says, you left your first love because you were doing all these great things. Remember, he started off by telling them that. He was congratulating the works that they were doing. He says, I know your works. That's an exciting thing to hear when you're doing what's right, when the Lord says, I know your works. I mean, just think for a moment, if we were to receive a letter from an apostle today and it came addressed to the church at Cookville and the Lord says, I know your works. And it begins to list all these things that we're doing that are good. That would be an exciting day, right? There was a thing I saw, I believe it was on Facebook the other day, of this preacher posted a kind of a little meme or whatever and it says, the face you make whenever the Apostle Paul sends you a letter and it was a man who was absolutely terrified. <laughs> because a lot of times we see throughout the Scriptures when Paul writes a letter to a church, there's a lot of critiques in it. There's a lot of problems. Paul wasn't in the business of just saying, hey, great job on everything you're doing. He says, hey, there's things you need to fix. This needs to be corrected. This needs to be worked on. Not because he was trying to belittle them or degrade what they were doing, but he was saying, if you do these things, you can be better than you ever could have imagined. You can be stronger than you could have thought. So these people, they started strong. God knew their works, their labor, and their patience. That's all great things. They were working hard. They were doing good things for the community. They were doing good things for the Lord's church. They were helping those who were in need. And on top of that, he says, I know your patience. If there is one thing in America that we greatly lack, it's patience. How do I know that? Go to a stoplight down here on an intersection somewhere. People don't have patience. They don't want to wait. They say, I've got to do X or Y and you better get out of the way. I heard a man describe on one occasion driving through the city of Atlanta. He said, there's three speeds in Atlanta. Lead, follow, or get out of the way. And that's oftentimes how we see the world act. We say we don't have the patience. We say we try something for a little bit and it doesn't have immediate success and we say, well, we're done with that. That didn't work. That was a mistake. But we never gave it the time to grow and to nurture and to see where it could turn into. I mean, imagine if a parent looked at a child and they told the child to write their name and they're a year old or something along those lines and the child can't spell their name and say, well, that was a waste. That was a failure. I guess we've got to give up on that. That would make no sense to us. We said that child's got to grow. He's got to mature. He's got to learn. He's got to grow. 
The same thing is true with the church and with our faith. We have to have patience. We have to work at this. It's not something we start off great and then fade off. We continuously grow. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for six years or 66 years. You have to grow. Because no matter how many times we read the Bible, there's going to be something new that we see. Something that stands out to me now that didn't stand out to me before. I can promise you this. Standing right here, I can make a promise to you right now. Any passage in the Bible that talks about being a parent is going to mean something different to me when I become a parent. I can make that promise and I feel completely confident in making that promise. Why? Because it's going to show examples then. I'm going to say, oh, that's how that makes sense. We have to grow. We have to learn. We have to have this patience. He knew that they had stood even stronger against false teachers. This one's interesting. Because for many people in the Lord's church, this is how they describe their Christianity. This is how they describe it. I'm a strong Christian if I strike down every false teacher I see. Now, is it part of our mission to stand against those who are teaching false doctrine? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the longer that people are allowed to teach something false from God's Word, the more souls can be lost. But if this is all that we do, we're missing the point. Because I can stand against something all day long, but what do I stand for? I can strike down every argument that someone brings up, but if I'm not teaching the Lord's Word in response to it as well, I'm missing the point. I'm missing the point. On the other side of things, we have many congregations of the Lord's Church who would never even touch this. Well, that's not my business. I just need to focus on what's going on. We live in a very technological age, do we not? Where people are able to hear anything they want with just a swipe of a finger. Friends, we need to be on top of things. We need to know God's Word well enough that when the false teaching comes up, we can see how that's false. Now, that doesn't mean I have to be perfect and I have to understand absolutely everything that comes about, but if I know the principles of God's Word, I can see when something smells fishy. I can see when something just doesn't sound quite right. Because the reality is, we talked about this, Cleet talked about this in the Bible class this morning, it was an excellent point, talking about how the devil doesn't come through the front door. He doesn't come bashing the front door in with a pitchfork and red horns. He comes as a friend. He comes as a family member. He comes as something that sounds exactly right. I mean, you listen to what he told Eve in the garden in Genesis chapter 3. He changed one word of what God said. You will not surely die. God's just trying to hold you back. Just give in to it and it'll work out good for you. See, God, the devil doesn't care if we gather together, we worship, we do all these things that are great. He doesn't care about that. He cares about how we act while we're doing it. He cares about our thought processes while we're here. He cares about how we treat one another when we leave this assembly. Because he knows that you can sit through an hour service hour 25 of the preacher's long. But you can sit through that and walk away an unchanged person. 
you can walk away not having grown at all. You can walk away saying, I didn't get anything out of. See, the devil understands this point just as much as we do. He wants you to start off strong. He wants you to think, okay, this is great. Just as long as you don't keep it going. Just as long as you give up. See, they continued even when it was not easy. This congregation seemed to have been just solid as a rock. I'm sure many of us can bring up an example right off the top of our head of a congregation that we just thought, they're the greatest thing. They're standing so strong for the Lord. And then we look at it today and say, what happened? What happened? But the reality is, most of those groups of people did not have the intention to stray from the Lord. When they started off, they weren't saying, let's see how many things we can mess up in the Lord's church. It's just one thing popped up. And then another, and then another. And because they weren't vigilant, as we talked about in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, because they weren't watching for what the devil could bring, it drove them away from the Lord. It dragged them farther and farther away from the Lord until they don't even hear His Word anymore. They started off strong, but the important thing is how we finish. How we get to the end of this race. So this is what John was describing to them. He says, you started off strong, but you left your first love. I was trying to think of an example or an illustration to bring up to this point of leaving your first love, what that might look like. And the reality is that that's kind of the best image you can come up with. A shattered heart. A broken heart. Leaving the Lord who had given so much for these people, they had left Him and said, we're going to do our own thing. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter how you feel about things. We're going to continue on with things that we've always done. Friends, just because something has been done for decades at a time doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. On the flip side, just because things have been done for decades at a time doesn't mean it's the wrong thing to do. The reality is we need to focus on what does the Bible say for us to do. Because we can have a traditional church all we want. We can have a progressive church all that we want. But the reality is, where are we standing on the Lord's Word? What do I hear from God's Word about what I'm supposed to be doing? I really appreciate what the elders have done with going through and describing everything that we're doing and giving scriptural reasons why we're doing it. Because that's what it's all about. Because it's not about what Josh says from the pulpit. It's not about what Don and Larry decide in the elders' meetings. That's not the point. The point is, what does God say? Am I going to hold to my first love? Am I going to stay committed to Him? See, they had left the zeal that they once had. Let's look at Acts chapter 8 for a moment. That's Acts chapter 8. Specifically, we're going to be looking around verse 39. Now, this is a passage that probably most of us are familiar with. It's that of the Ethiopian eunuch. When... Philip talks to him on the road. He discusses Jesus. He talks to him about what this eunuch was reading. And as we get to the end of this passage, we see that he had described everything that needed to be done. Verse 34 says, So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or some other man? He was specifically reading from the book of Isaiah there. 
It says, Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at, that scripture, at this scripture preached Jesus to him. Verse 36, Now as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Friends, there are so many people that this is where they leave it off. After this, it doesn't matter. They say, we got to the point of baptism, we're great now. But let's see what happens next. Verse 38, So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Verse 39, Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way, what? Rejoicing. He went on his way rejoicing. Do you think the eunuch was just happy because, well, now he's been saved? Is that it? Is that it? We're done? You know, even today, the nation of Ethiopia claims to have been the first country to receive some form of Christianity, to hear about Christ. Now, they're missing one other country a little bit, and that was Israel where you know, the eunuch had to hear about it, but still... Do you think that man who goes away rejoicing doesn't tell other people what he had heard? I know this isn't the case for one simple reason. Last year, there was a football game between Alabama and UT. And being a UT fan myself, it was not quiet after that win. Everyone was going to hear about it. Anyone who may have just rooted for Tennessee in the past, man, they were on board. They said, this is, this is our time. And that was just a football game. What does that mean in the grand scheme of things? But if I have a zeal for the Lord, who is going to shut me up? Who is going to keep me from talking about it? I remember when I was younger, there was a missionary who used to come to the congregation where my dad preached, and he would give his reports of when he was in India. And There was one common statement that everyone had about this guy. They said, you won't talk to him for more than about a minute to two minutes without hearing something about the Bible brought up. Friends, that's the attitude we all should have. We should be excited for what God has told us and what He has given us, and we can't wait to tell everybody else. But that takes work. It takes effort. It takes study. But they had left that zeal. They had left that excitement for what God had given them, and they had left following after God to instead follow after what they wanted to do. They had left their first love. See, this was a desertion of faithfulness and loyalty. They had abandoned it. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 34 through 36, Jesus was describing to these people. He said, beforehand, He was talking to the righteous, and He said, the Father's going to tell them, you know, I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you gave me food. And the righteous will say to Him, they'll say, Lord, when did we see you unhungered? When did we see you in prison and visit you? And He said, when you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. On the flip side, 
those who were unrighteous, when they stood before God, he said, I was naked and you did not clothe me. I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was in prison and you did not visit me. And again, they respond the exact same way. Lord, when do we see this? He said, when you did not do this to the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. Friends, it's not a matter of working our way to heaven. That's not the point. But the point is, if we follow after God, we're going to obey what He's told us to do. God has given us a path, and He's laid out something for us. And we're trying to be Christ-like, correct? If we're claiming the name Christian, that means Christ-like. We're going to try to imitate the Lord. As we imitate Christ, we have to try to help those who are in need. Why? Because that was Christ's whole mission. He gave us a command in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. He told his disciples, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Notice that last phrase. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. So that just means preaching, right? We're supposed to teach everyone the gospel. Well, that's part of it. That's part of it. But he said, all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And friends, he wasn't just talking about what we have written in red letters in our Bible. See, that his disciples, he sent out with the same authority that he had before. He said, you're going to carry on this message to others. And they were inspired. We follow after Him because He's laid out a path for us to follow. We follow after Him because He gave everything for us so that we could have the opportunity to be with Him. The reality is this, friends. The world likes to say that what we're teaching is evil and it's hateful and it's mean. How could we do that? But friends, this is a warning. We're ringing the alarm bells saying this is our default. Our default is we're going to be against God. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3.23. If all of us have fallen short, that means all of us are separated from Him at one point or another. Now, we're not talking about the doctrine that some like to say where we're just born with this sin. How can one sin when he does not understand? How can one sin when he does not have the ability to decide or to hear what the Lord has to say and to understand it? But rather, we're talking about those who have the understanding, those who can see right from wrong, and they decide to follow the way of the world rather than God. See, these people, it says they left their first love. Not forgot Him. Not made a mistake. They left. They chose to separate themselves from Him. To walk away. They were not faithful to Him anymore. See, it's normal for congregations who are active to become tired. That's a normal thing. It's normal for congregations who are struggling and fighting the good fight of faith to become weary with it. That passage right there with Jeremiah chapter 20. What do we read about Jeremiah and what do we know about him when he was going through his ministry? Well, Jeremiah was not, by our standards, a very successful prophet. He preached and 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 the audience that he was preaching to didn't care. And it came to the point where Jeremiah said, I'm done. I'm done. I give up. They don't want to hear. 
but he changed his heart because he said his word was like a fire in my bones that I couldn't keep it contained. Do we have that same level of zeal? Do we have that same excitement, that same passion for the Lord that if we were to not tell someone about it, it would literally burn us up? What is our heart? Have we left our first love or are we right there beside Him? Are we right there committed to Him? And that's the whole message. What John said next was they had the ability to return. They could come back. You weren't completely lost. You can come home. As long as you have breath, you have the ability to choose to follow after Christ, to come back to Him after He has never left, but you decided to leave from Him. Let's go ahead and read this passage in particular. It's Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, specifically looking at 5 through 7. Our scripture reading went up to verse 4, and we read that they had left their first love. But verse 5 says, Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He said, remember where you were. Remember that point. I'm sure many of us can remember the moment we were baptized. Remember the moment we came out of that water and that feeling that we had. Just a few months ago, we were able to study with this girl at camp. We're able to talk to her about becoming a Christian. And she made a statement when she got out of the baptistry and was hugging those who were around her. And we were able to go up and talk to her. And she said, I feel so light. I feel light. I'm sure many of us can say something quite similar to that. That weight of that shame and that fear and that guilt, it wasn't there anymore. It wasn't around us anymore. It was gone. Is that not something we want everyone in the world to feel? To have? To be a part of? Friends, the reality is we make up this body. And the attitude, the character of this body is directly directly correlated with how we believe it how we act, how we treat one another, how we treat the Word of God, how we focus on the Word of God, how we study the Word of God. That's how this body looks. I've heard many people talk in the past and say, I just can't believe what's happening in the Lord's church. It's just, it's, they're leaving the Lord. They're coming up with all these crazy ideas. What's wrong with the Lord's church? And there's one simple statement for it. We stopped fighting for it. We stopped the point, or we stop teaching the idea that the congregations are only as good or as weak as the people who make it up. If we want to make this church the best it can be, if we want this church to be a light and a beacon for those in our community, friends, we have to have our commitment to the Lord solidified. We have to accept the fact this isn't about me or you. This is about Him. We have to hold to our first love. 
not allowing the world to turn us one way or the other. You see, the Lord told them that they needed to repent and to do the first works or else He was going to come quickly. A congregation that leaves the Lord does not last long. And the Lord gave them this opportunity to turn back, to come home, to make things right. But the choice was up to them. John couldn't make that choice for them. God couldn't just snap His fingers and make the church perfect because He gave you and me a choice. He gave you and me free will that we can decide how we're going to live. I make the choice of whether or not I'm going to follow after Him or if I'm going to leave because I didn't like the preaching. I made the choice whether I'm going to follow Him or I'm going to leave because things are not quite exactly how I want them to be. I can choose to follow Him or I can decide to leave because Christianity is just too hard. That choice falls to you and to me. But they have the ability to return. God has never left His people without the opportunity to repent. There's never been a moment where He looks at His own people or even those in the world as well and says, you don't have a chance. He said, I gave you my word so that you can study it. I sent out my messengers so you can hear them. I sent my son to die on a cross for your sins so that you don't have to face the penalty of death. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, he says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Every single one. He doesn't want us to live in a state separated from Him. He wants us to return. When there's things that are wrong in our lives, He says, I leave the door open for you. All you have to do is choose to walk through it. To follow after Me. He wants His people to be saved. See, these people could repent and return to their first love. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, what do we read? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now that sounds like a great and wonderful thing, but did we remember who he was talking to? Do we remember the audience that Peter is preaching this message to? These are the very people that not a few days earlier, not a few weeks earlier, had been saying, Crucify him, crucify him, let his blood be upon us and upon our children and upon our children's children. The very people who put Jesus to death was the audience of Acts chapter 2. God has given every man the opportunity to repent. The opportunity to come home. The opportunity to build that relationship with Him or to renew that relationship with Him. But it falls to you and to me on what we decide to do with it. See, the church at Ephesus, they had left their first love. They had decided that they could do it better on their own. What will you and I decide to do? What's our decision? Now, no doubt, I believe that many of us in this room, our statement is we are going to follow the Lord regardless of what happens. We're committed to the cause. Don't lose it. 
Don't lose that zeal. Don't lose that commitment. Don't lose that fire. New wears off. Commitment lasts forever. But maybe you're just like that church at Ephesus. You left your first love. You were once committed to the cause. You were once ready to go, ready to stand for the Lord, but maybe you allowed yourself to be dragged away from Him. Maybe you allowed yourself to begin to stray farther and farther. He wants you to come home. He wants you to make that right so that you can be saved. Being separated from God is too horrible a thing and being with Him is too great a thing to lose. I can't make this decision for you. The elders can't make this decision for you. Our deacons can't make the decision for you. You have to make the decision for yourself on where you're going to stand with the Lord. Will I stand with my first love or will I leave Him? These first rows are reserved so that you can come forward. So that if you have any need in your life, anything that is dragging you away from God, anything that is hindering you, maybe it's just I need prayers for the struggles I go through on a daily basis. That's what we're all here for. This is not a room full of perfect people. It's a room full of faithful people. And we're doing everything that we can to follow after God, and we want you to have the same opportunity. We want to strengthen one another, to bolster one another. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, Bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. But maybe you did allow those things to happen, and you want to make things right. We just talked about 1 John chapter 1. He wants us to be saved. He wants us to come to Him, and He is faithful and just to do that. But maybe you're not yet a Christian. Maybe you've never even had this first love much less left it. He made the path available for you today. Hearing the word, Romans 10, 17, believing it to be true, John 8, 24. Upon believing that statement to be true, we're willing to repent of all of our past sins as we've been talking about, Acts 17, 30. And based upon that repentance, that changed mind which brings a change of action, I'm saying I'm not following the ways of the world anymore. I'm willing to confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's exactly who He said He was. And I'm committed to following Him. And based upon that confession, we will baptize you tonight. Bearing, you in that old, bearing that old man of sin, raising you to walk in newness of life. Living all that behind, living a new life in Christ. All that remains is for you to choose. If there's anything hindering you, don't leave tonight with this, this, this hanging over you. If you haven't made the decision yet, make it tonight. Don't wait. And if you're struggling with anything, make it known so that we can pray with you and for you. If you have any need, please come as together we stand as we sing.